you want to ditch feature dumping, build trust and earn the opportunity to become your prospect's trusted guide, then say hello to the Influential Communicator newsletter. Now, listen, my friend, my intention is clear because with one actionable weekly email keyword actionable my goal is to transform you into a captivating storyteller communicator and presenter so if this is a bit of you then head on down to www.theinfluentialcommunicator.com to register now and by the way if you do sign up know that you'll also receive my free guide on how to craft a punchy and high converting elevator story i'll see you on the other side Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. Thomas enjoyed college, and in his words, maybe little bit too much man because after his first year he didn't make it into the business program but he did go all in on an English degree over at Albany and as they say people your network is your net worth I know it sounds cringy but it's the real this real it's a real quote and I like it because hey in Tom's story it really holds because after graduating Tom's old neighbor as a kid who ran the regional sales team for a local sports gym offered him a job and purely by accident, boom, Tom began a career in B2C sales. And from that point onwards, he realized that sales is a skill and started finding his lane in the world of selling. And after realizing inside sales was his jam or really his superpower is probably a better way to put it. He got snapped up by Global Data over a decade ago. And today, Tom is the SVP of sales over at Global Data in New York, where he specializes in the vertical of healthcare. And today, I pinned him down, man, to specifically get tactical and deep on a topic you need to learn more about, ladies and gents. I'm passionate about it. I know Tom is too. And it's all about how to shift your pitch in accordance to your persona, especially in high stakes environments. What's good, Tom? Welcome to the show, brother. Ravi, pleasure, man. What, what an intro. Nice walk down memory lane there. I started uh, having flashbacks and visions. It's, uh, it was great, great to hear. I uh, appreciate you having me on. It's good to finally, finally well, make dude, it. Dude, you didn't say nightmares, so there must have been pleasant flashbacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. Everything, you know, it all... It all builds on itself and leads to to where we are now. So it's uh, I, I've been fortunate enough to have a good good history. I would say no doubt, brother. No doubt, LinkedIn and your CV and resume says that, brother. So I believe it. I believe it. And by the way, before we continue, I get a lot of heat for this. I'm wearing a Yankees hat. You're from New York, but I can't name one player because I'm the type of Brit that just wears hats because I think look they look cool for the logo. Is that a sin? Is that a sin when I come to the US? Or am I okay? I mean, you'll be fine in New York, but, uh, you know, the, I think the bigger issue might be that I'm a Mets fan, so I don't know if I can uh, go too well with the Yankees hat. <laughs> Every- I will say I'm not a Yankee hater, though, so it's not a, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are, are haters of, of either side of the fence where they fall, but, uh, I mean, we're from New York. I root for, you know, I want J. 
champions to be from here. As long as we're not playing each other, then I'll root for the Yankees. Dude, I was speaking in Chicago at an SKO earlier this year, and I wore this. It was a bad move. Everywhere I went, I was getting heat. And I was like, all right, man, I don't know what to do here. Apparently, the Cubs are a thing. So I was like, all right, okay, I should have worn a Cubs hat. But anyway, I digress. I digress, man. So, dude, listen, what's one part of your story that you think we need more context on to get a better understanding of who you are today that I've not touched upon? Well, I think, you know, failure was a big part of of my success, you know, and and within the the failures, I I realized the strength of like strong leadership and and mentors in the process. So, you know, when I had, you know, really kind of just started in B2B sales, I struggled, struggled, you know, for the first three, four months to kind of get on the board. The work ethic was there. The desire was there. It just wasn't clicking, you know, and it was something where I was falling on my face a little bit. I just couldn't bring it all together, you know, and I had a great leader at the time. He's still a good friend of mine now. And, you know, he kind of just like broke it down for me and like told me to take a step back. And, you know, through his kind of like tutelage in the years, I I contributed much of my growth to success to him. This is my old boss at IQBC. His name is Mario Matalich. He like really kind of, you know, just helped coach and mentor and, and challenge me through the process of there that it inspired me to want to go from kind of the individual contributor and saw the values and opportunities and leadership and the force multiplier of there's only so many deals I can close in a, a quarter, a month, a year, what have you, right? Like, and, you know, being able to help coach, develop and build people, you know, kind of drives on that. But it was, it was in those moments of failure when I realized the strength of good leadership, what impact that really can have on you know, the individual from there. And it kind of just like set the course for me. Like, this is the path I got to go. You know, it was a small failure. So let's not blow things out of proportion. It was very short lived, very successful from there on out. But I think that's a moment in time that really, you know, probably doesn't, you know, get that much light. But really, you know, had a huge impact. So it sounds as though that failure that you experienced was an inflection point which led you to seeking more support by somebody who was maybe two or three steps ahead of you at that point in your career. When you say failure, can you walk us through an example of, you said it was a minute failure. So is it something revenue related? Was it missing your quota? Like, could you give us a little bit more juice on that? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't sell a deal. I couldn't close a deal. I had been at the company for, you know, three, four months. I was at this point, I had done kind of, you know, as you mentioned, the gym memberships. I got into the mortgage. I was selling, um, I was working for a marketing firm, selling mortgage leads, got into mortgages right as the bubble burst. So I kind of missed all of those opportunities. And and then I moved to B2B sales and I was probably 26, 27, but all my peers were 22, 23. You know, this was like entry level sales role, generally first jobs for, for you know, kids out of college. And you know, I had a couple of years on them. I had a house, I had a mortgage. Uh, you know, it was like, I should have been outperforming and I was not closing a deal. I couldn't close anything. And it was, it was embarrassing at times. It was frustrating all the time. It had me like, thinking, is this, am I not in the right place? Is this not right for me? You know, it never questioned my work ethic, but it was like the work is not getting the results, you know? So like, what if I could just keep working as hard as I can and not, not yielding anything? Like that's, that's the definition of insanity, right? Like, so, you know, I kind of took the you know, inspection, you know, 
approach to it where I was like, okay, I'm looking at what's going on. Like, where am I falling? You know, I'm making the dials. I'm making the connects. I'm getting props out. Where is the, the, the fracture points, right? But I only know so much. So then I would lean up, you know, my, my manager. I was like, hey, like, you know, my success is your success. Like, you hired me for a reason. Like, help me get there. And, you know, it was being that, that open and humble, I guess, or having that humility to really just be like, like help me help me get better. Like I realized like I'm doing wrong. You know, it worked. We had a plan. We worked the plan. We worked the skills that needed to be adapted. And, you know, then it, it you know, fast tracked. It got me, you know, from sitting on goose eggs, to the top of the leaderboard, you know, it was smaller, like SMB, more transactional deals. So I was able to turn around in a month, but it was a long three months to get there. Like I'm commuting into the city an hour each way, like just like, you know, what am I doing? here so it um yeah it was just not not being able to close a deal if you could go back and give that former version of yourself one piece of advice what would it be because very you know clearly there must have been a handful of things which must have been going on maybe mentally or the things that you were doing physically which were preventing you from achieving that success so looking you know with hindsight beautiful looking back what advice would you give that version of tom inspector earlier you know don't just keep going the course. It was kind of like head down, do the work, the results will follow. You know, like I, I trust the process, but you need to inspect the process throughout the way. You got to be able to pivot. You know, you can't. And, and this is what I coach, you know, my, my, you know, reps that are earlier in their careers and even the senior ones, you know, when we're working on different campaigns or different opportunities, it's like, we got to look and see where the results are coming from or not. And we got to look early and often because I don't want to spend two weeks going down the wrong path, let alone two, three months. That's time that's just, you know, it's gone. It's wasted and, and you, you'll, you won't be able to get it back. And that, that impact that will have on your results, you know, will, will you know, ripple throughout the year. You know, if you, if you spend a month wasted on a, a dead, dead wood, dead opportunities, dead, dead campaigns to go after, you know, you would have spent one or two weeks to identify that it wasn't the right area. But those other two weeks could have got you ahead, you know, could have had an impact still to, you know, have a difference on your quarter or the following quarter, depending on whatever sales cycle you're in. So it's, it's inspect early and often is what I would tell myself. Don't wait, you know, cause it was like, I was feeling the pressure. I'm like, these people are scoring every day. I got people that started after me that are closing deals. Like I'm going to get the slip soon. Like I can't get fired from a job. Like this is a, I'm old for this role. Like I should be succeeding at it. You know? So it's like, I shouldn't have waited that long. To really dive in, you know, my managers, like my line manager, you know, it, it was kind of like pointing at it, but they, they saw how hard I was working. So they, they figured it was just a matter of time, but it was like, don't wait for someone to bring it to you. Get after it quick. You know, it was almost like in fear is when I started like, I need help, help me, help me. And it was like, you know, I should have been in fear for the time wasted, you know, two months earlier. What I find super interesting about what you said, brother, is follow the process is one thing but then inspecting the process is another because if that process isn't designed to get you to where you want to be, you are going nowhere pretty damn fast. So I love that, you know, inspecting the process. And that can actually be so hard, especially for an early rep to do who may not have the context and experience to know how to inspect the process. So when you're coaching your reps today, how do you teach them to inspect the process? Yeah. So there's, there's different elements for, you know, kind of like different stages of the sales cycle. 
that we'll look at. So like top of funnel aspects, it's, you know, what is your, you know, dials to, to connect rate, right? So how many conversations are you having? That's one area. You know, if you're making 50 calls or a day or whatever it is, and you're not speaking to anyone, well, let's inspect right there. That that's a, that should be a red flag. You know, it's not immediately like, oh, I spent the day and I didn't get anyone on the phone. Like that happens. But if that's happening over the course of a week, you should have spoken to someone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's looking, you know, it's each step. So it's each conversion. So, okay, well, you're getting the connects, but are they converting to meetings? Are they having conversations? Okay, yes or no. Okay, let's look and fix there. Now the meetings are happening. Are they actually showing up? You know, and so it's kind of like you look at those basics conversions across the way that would give you that, am I working on the right campaign or not? It doesn't necessarily mean you're in the wrong area. You might be saying the wrong things, targeting the wrong people. There's a whole slew of things to then kind of like peel the onion back on. But as you're looking like later stage pipeline, more advanced, more senior reps, it's being mindful of, you know, what's happening. You know, how many demos do you usually need to do for a deal to convert from there, right? You know, when you get proposals out, who else is involved above and below, you know, to kind of like multi-thread the opportunities? Are you checking those boxes? It's really leaning into MedPick, right? Like, so it's seeing what do we know? What don't we know from a qualification process? Do we have the metrics for these opportunities? Do we get connected with the economic buyer early? And are we staying connected with that? Do we have that line of communication? You know, it's it's those kind of warning signs that will show them like, hey, this deal is not as rock solid as we thought it would be. But as you look at that outside of just like an individual pipeline perspective, you'll see trends, you know, where six, well, I guess we're, you know, this is probably like going back two, three quarters now to last year when we saw all of the paper processes get extended, all the procurement cycles, the sign-off process got extended. Everyone's getting involved for even small deals, right? CFO level, economic buyers, that were your economic buyers a year ago were now different, you know, like, so when we saw that, we saw our sales cycles extended by two, three weeks. Okay. You know, we were able to inspect that and see it's not an issue, you know, where a rep is kind of skipping steps or falling down. This is something that's happening across our entire buyer universe. So that was good. So we, by looking at that scene, like, wait, why are these deals, why are they all sliding in a month? Usually you'll have like maybe 10%, 50% that slide a month because of just, delayed sign-offs, but not everything. Is everything going? So as a team, we could collectively change it. But as an individual, they would look and be like, why is this happening to me? Why did my close rate, why is that dropped? You know, oh, well, I've doubled my top of funnel. So it's okay. That's, it's going to take some time to catch up. Cool. Or like, it's just dropped. I'm skipping steps. I'm doing things. So it, it you know, I realize that's kind of broad and across a lot of spectrums there. But the, the point is like, you have to understand your process thoroughly. You have to understand your conversion, you know, percentages as you move to, to different stages of the sales cycles. You have to understand, you know, the time that it, it generally takes in between each. Because these are all data points that you can analyze to see, like, are things improving? Are they you know, staying stagnant? Which I'd probably put in the regression bucket as well. You know, so it's like where... And where in the process is that coming up that I need to really kind of like be mindful of? So again, like kind of top to bottom, a funnel approach, but it's really, it's having that, you know, weekly inspection of your pipeline, your opportunities, you know, where they're, you know, what's happening from there and being, you know, consistently mindful of that is what helps really identify quickly. So we can pivot, 
you know, we can make adjustments. And, and this is, it's not all in the negative too. Like all of a sudden you might be like, wait, these deals are now closing 10% faster. I didn't, I didn't really do anything different. I, I thought, and it's like, well, you know, that that's an opportunity for us to double down on there. Right. But we're getting, you know, we've got it. We've doubled the opportunities going into the top of funnel because this one campaign is hitting better than the others. Let's double down, triple down there. Let's put everyone on it if it has enough of an audience to kind of warrant it. Right. Like, so it's, you got to have these in there so you can really be a fluid team, a fluid individual. It's almost limitless where you can have the, the focal points, but you have to have the mindset to constantly be, you know, inspecting your work, right? Like looking at where it is, doing that, you know, money ball analysis of, of every step. So, so you can make those slight improvements because small upgrades, you know, percentage here, 2% there, you know, over the course of a year in a full sales cycle or a sales pipeline, et cetera, process, you know, has has huge impacts. Sales kickoff season is coming, people, and I love it, man. I love it because it's such an exciting time as a speaker. But for enablement professionals and revenue leaders, well, it can be kind of stressful, you know, and having delivered storytelling keynotes and workshops for revenue teams like NetSuite, Crunchbase, and AB Tasty. I know it's not just about motivation and inspiration, but also about finding the right speaker who can educate your audience and spark a long lasting shift in behavior. So, hey, if you are thinking about storytelling as a theme for kicking off your new fiscal year, then head on down to www.the ravirajani.com forward slash speaking to check out my speaker reel. Take a look at some of my topics and some customer stories to see if there's a fit. And if there is, then you can scroll down to the bottom and book an alignment call with me directly. All right, let's get back to the show. You know what I love is the call out of not just inspecting processes, but expect, uh, inspecting rather the conversion metrics all the way from early stage pipeline to late stage pipeline. Very, very important, brother. And speaking of call outs, I want to call you out, right? I want to call you out for a post four months ago on LinkedIn, all right? And you started it with this, okay? All right, Tom, you started it with this. You said, I'm not sure who needs to hear this, but no prospect cares about your company or product. Stop making your job harder, man. I just added man, but it felt good. Stop boring your prospects. Stand out. So you went on on this post to talk about ultimately how to adapt your pitch to the persona you're connecting with, which I think the opposite of that is the real pandemic in, in today's world. But when it comes to standing out, you say, stop making your job harder, stop boring your prospects, stand out. In a sea of sameness, what are three short things that a seller can do in today's climate if they were prospecting you to grab your attention? They got to understand who I am professionally, right? Like what I do what I do every day, how I'm measured for success, what my you know, goals and objectives are in my role, you know, and that, that will eventually lead to them understanding personally why that stuff matters, right? But like, you gotta know inside and out what I do, right? How am I measured for success? What, are, you know, what do I need to do? The more you understand that, every piece of the conversation can then be about that with me. And your, your product or solution has no place in those early conversations but can support, you know, like obviously, like I'll understand 
you know, Rob, if you call me up and you start talking to me about, you know, how I can, you know, increase my conversion rates of, you know, close rate from, you know, 27% to 32% or how you, you know, you, you don't tell me how you can do that, but you start talking to me about that. You start you know, telling me how you help other people with those areas. That's why you're reaching out to me, coming over these things. I'm going to understand you have a solution or a service that can help me improve that. Like, you know, have confidence. I'm not an idiot. I don't need to hear, well, I got a product that does it. Like, I understand you're calling me to pitch me something, right? But if you can lead with value by speaking about what I actually do, knowing what I do, knowing how I'm measured for success, right? Or failure, right? Speaking to those elements, you know, adding value from the jump, you know, that will help you stand out. So it's knowing your personas through and through um, and being able to speak to that and add value from the jump. Value is not me hearing about your company, how long it's been around, how many customers you have, or what your products, you know, bells and whistles and amazing stuff is. I don't care about that stuff. And I'm not going to care about it. I'm going to get off the phone as fast as I can, or I'm going to delete that email before I read another line. Right. But if you come in and you talk to me about what is going on in my world, and you don't need to know the specifics. You don't need to know what my, you know, close rates are, or, you know, if we have a top of funnel challenge or whatever it is, but like knowing that, you know, I'm growing a team, you know, the challenges with ramping teams as they expand further, right. Or you're speaking to some of those points. I'm going to continue to listen and have the conversation. So we've got two interesting points there around really understanding the person you're trying to connect with and then adding value. And I do just want to touch upon this slightly, but if somebody is in a conversation with you and it's a young rep, they're like, oh man, Tom, he's a big dog at Global Data. He's an SVP. I've got imposter syndrome, right? Somebody like that is feeling that way in a conversation with you. And they're saying to themselves, I don't know how to add value to Tom. Is the value done through providing insights or is it done just through effective discovery and diagnosis? How do you define value in that sense? Just take it one step backwards before we get to this. So like if, it, if someone is targeting me, it comes to kind of territory layout is a first area. Now, their territory should either, you know, it should be on, I would assume, companies like mine, you know, and it should be on personas like me, right? So they should be targeting other SVPs of sales so that all they're doing is reaching out and speaking to SVPs of sales all day, right? So right there, if I'm a, a, a young, you know, hungry or experienced for that matter, but I'm focused on, you know, building pipeline and progressing and I'm owning that full cycle or at least that part of the, the process, I should be reaching out to, you know, 40, 50 SVPs a day, I would imagine, right? You know, and... Even if I'm doing full cycle sales, I still should be speaking to 40 or 50 SVPs or or attempting to speak to them on the day. Now, right there is the value that they add. If you are speaking and focusing entirely on, you know, a persona from here, I only speak to my peers, my counterparts, right? I, you know, I have a network, so I'll speak to other people from there. But for the most part, you know, I'm not speaking to that many other SVPs of sales and speaking about what's going on in their world and compared to mine and how we're doing that at a high volume, right? I probably have, a, you know, internally, probably another five or 10. Externally, probably another five or 10 that I trust and I speak to about these things, right? So that's 20 people that I have close relationships. And some of these are now like real close friendships and relationships. So it's like we might bullshit more than we actually talk about the issues that at hand, right? So 
anyone that's speaking to me that's focusing on this persona knows more about what people in my roles go through on a day-to-day than I do. I know what I go through, but I don't know how that stacks up. That is the value add. So don't have the imposter syndrome. Don't put me on a pedestal, right? You're coming in, there's value you can add from the jump. And if you're given that straight off the bat, I speak to you know people like you all the time and speak to them, right? Like, go get out there and do it. You know, ingest what I ingest, you know, understand the life of an SVP or whatever persona you're selling into, you know, read the same things they read, listen to the same things they listen to, right? Spend the time that's living in that world there. One magic thing that I love is look at job postings for people in this role. Look at the requirements for the role itself from an experience wise. Look at the objectives of the role, what they'll be doing. That will tell you everything you need to know about selling into the persona itself. So now you start to tailor your conversations around this that will naturally lead to the questions. You are leading with value. You're speaking to the person here. A, you speak to a senior person where you're not, you know, hat in hand, like, oh, thank you. Hey, Ravi, thank you. Mr. Mr. Rajani, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you're so busy and I called you out of the blue. Stop. Hey. Calling you right now specifically. I'm glad I could get you on the phone real quick. I'm in between meetings. I got to hop too. Um, I know, but I, I've really been meaning to reach out to you, you know, specifically because blah, 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 blah. Like go into the value. Take that, you know, equal business stature from the jump and, you know, the, understand that you're speaking to more SVPs of sales than I am. And that's what comes through. Yeah, one thing I hope the audience picked up on there was. When you are communicating as the new seller with imposter syndrome, even the pitch of your voice and the intonation and the conviction and certainty behind it was drastically different to the individual who was pitching you, who was talking to you, as you said, of equal status to you. So I love that. I really, really hope people picked up on that. And I love the idea of because another human being is seeing so much in the place where they are constantly mining, they can share all the gold that they're hearing and seeing from across the world with that specific individual, aka you. So I love that, man. I love that. It's super interesting. And I think that's a great way for people to add value without overthinking it. Now, later on in the post, you mentioned adapting your pitch to ensure you're connecting with the right person on a deeper level. Now, you've already touched upon that slightly, but talk to that for a second. What did you mean by that in the post? It's building on understanding what they what they do, how they're measured, what their role itself is, right? Like, Because then you can really start to, to kind of go down that path. You know, if I have to you know, grow my team by 20% this year, or I got to increase average contract values by 20%, like, you know, that will then, by speaking in that area, to, to me, you know, and, and kind of leaning on the expertise that you have, because all you do is speak to other SVPs of sales, you know, you can now start to have conversations to talk about, well, what does that mean to me, right? If my team achieves 20%, you know, increased contract values, for example, what does that mean to me personally, right? Well, that means that we're going to hit our numbers X, Y, Z, and then I can grow the team another 20% next year. And I could be closer to my goal of running, you know, a global sales org that is, you know, 150, 200 people plus. Like, great. Wow. That's what you want to do in your career wise. What does that do? Well, then I can start buying the beach house that my wife wants. Right. Then I can start, you know, taking my kids on, you know, more 
vacations a year than I want. Like you can really start getting in that, that conversation that takes it, you know, blends the professional and the personal. Right. So I think, again, it's the expertise in the people that you're selling into the personas. You have to be a persona expert. Right. And it's not just understanding, you know, what they do, how they're measured. What are the common challenges across the personas that they're facing? What are the common solutions they're all attempting, whether it's an internal or something they're using externally, whatever it might be like, the more you can be an expert in their space, the more every conversation will be more connected and will go deeper and deeper. I think, is that, is that on the path we were talking about? Cause I, I was thinking about something else as we were going through there too, but I think that that to me is always the game changer. Well, what else were you thinking about? I'm curious now. So, I mean, I, I think with some people when it's like, it's just, it's also, it's a little bit of the tonality aspect, right? So, you know, it's the inflection of the voice ending with question marks, right? Like up to, yeah. Like, date myself right like a, i am ron burgundy right like it's kind of like where you're 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 asking everything and you're this it's like you know it's the it's the talking down at the end it's you know and not down to them but it's kind of like your down voice right Boss. Yeah. so like you know robbie you know tell me a little bit about from your end you know if you could do that next that would be great like i'm not that would be great like that would be great here we go. It's kind of like you got to speak at the levels and have the confidence because you know the persona's there. The confidence comes through in the tone, to your point earlier. You know, so like to get people that reply to you, you know, in kind, you need to speak to them in kind. I love it, brother. It's, it's really interesting you say this. Last year I was in New York, probably around this time, early June actually, but I was coaching some of the SDRs over at Crunchbase. And we were going through parts of this script and this one SDR was saying something along the lines of, let's have a demo, let's have a demo. And there was an upward inflection at the end. But like you're saying, if you say, let's have a demo, the downward inflection creates such a different meaning. And I think it's so interesting how these subtleties can, I mean, I'm obsessed with these little subtleties, how they can just literally shift the trajectory of a conversation and the perception a buyer has of you as a seller it's huge and it's like like you said it's kind of like you know it's the hat in hand yeah people walking with like the tin cup out just asking you know please may i may i ask another question please maybe you know it's like add lead with value understanding the people you're speaking to allows you to speak to them in ways that's going to help them you want them leaving every conversation with you you know having you know, learn something or, you know, felt you got something from it because that's what will get them to show up to the next call. That's what will get them to bring in the economic buyer, you know, or the people they trust, you know, with the decision to come back to them and be like, yeah, let's go buy that. We should meet with these guys because they are going to help us, you know, but if you don't get that across the board from the beginning, if you don't know them inside and out, like I think too many people lean into if they're starting a role or when they work at a company, they need to know their product product is the most important thing it's not it's the personas that you're selling to is the most important and then your product is a you know i guess a it's a secondary you know aspect to that you need to understand the people you're selling to inside and out then you can understand why your product matters to them where it fits into those aspects of, of them and go there it's just like it's it's just a totally different way to it shouldn't be a totally different way. It's it's kind of seems like 
obvious in some ends to me, but it's, you know, I interview salespeople all the time. I get pitched all the time. I go on LinkedIn <laughs> less than I used to because it's just all the time. It's just pitch slaps, feature dumps, high level. And like, you got to separate yourself by like, no one senior is going to want to speak to you if you're just vomiting a product or regurgitating a, a pitch that's begging someone for time. They want to speak to you if you're coming across confidently and you're speaking to them at their roles. You're selling it to CFOs, become an expert in CFOs at that size organization, that type of companies, right? It doesn't matter. Like when I, when I was struggling, when I was saying this earlier, to go back to the beginning, I was selling into, um, it was like managing directors at different investment banks for certain desks that we were selling to. I was selling financial conferences, attendees, oh, cool. right? And I forget what the one was on. It might've been like some insurance-based security event. Um, that was like an area I really dove into. It was at the point when I was still selling uh, delegate passes. So it was right before I got promoted at this point. And they, the event was here in New York. So they were like, hey, you know what? You can go to the event. They like, usually don't send those, the delegate. So I go to the event and I'm like sitting at the, the front desk, like giving people their name badges, saying hello to all the people I signed up. I feel like it was like, you know, prom king. Like, here we go. What's up, guy? You know, I'm, I'm Mr. Popular. <laughs> but I'll never forget this one guy came in. And uh, I forget, I forget what his name is. So I guess I will forget, but uh, like, let's call him Bill, right? And I was like, hey, Bill, Bill, it's, it's Tom Bocar. And this guy must have been like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, uh, you know, just a, a tall mountain of a man, right? And he looked at me and I'm not, I'm all of 5'7", on like a good day. 5'7 and a half, maybe I'll stretch it, right? Like, and he's like, you're Tom Bocar. I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? Like, you know, and he's like, I thought you were like six five or something like that. Ah, <laughs> just me. Like, and it was it was because of the the you know the the conversation, the tones that we had, and because I had the confidence that I knew what he deals with, that I can, you know, he's gonna listen to what I'm saying. He's gonna want to listen to what I'm saying and engage in the conversation. So it's not just a pitch, it's a conversation. And and that comes from, you know, really understanding the audience. And that confidence comes through that, again, when you're speaking to senior people, not the ones that are just going to yes you to get on the phone, that are actually going to listen. And they, if they say they're going to show up, they're going to show up because you get that value across in a confident way, not guessing. That's so funny, brother. I was I was at an event. Oh, I don't know when it was. It must have been about a year ago now. And it's probably one of the first ones since the world started opening up because of the pandemic. And I saw this dude who I'd connected with a few times virtually, but never in person. And he saw me and he was like, uh, yeah, you look a lot bigger on LinkedIn video. I'm like, <laughs> ah, okay, <laughs> nice one. My wife's like, you catfish the world, man. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so the final question I have for you before we wrap up here is if a seller speaks to somebody like yourself, and they deliver their pitch, their demo, and then you say, you know what, I like it, but I need you to connect with our CFO. What is one short tip you would give that seller when it comes to shifting their story and the way they communicate to a sales leader versus a highly analytically driven CFO? Well, first of all, it needs to adjust is the first thing I would say. Mm -hmm. You can't go in and pitch a CFO off of all the benefits and values that I, it should be a part of it, but it's got to roll up bigger. CFO cares about the entire organization, cares about the, you know, the, the bottom lines, the growth numbers, the cost savings, the, you know, very analytical. So it's, I gave you 
you know, table stakes. It gave you kind of like a baseline. But what I do is great. Hey, thanks for giving me that intro. We'll coordinate the meetings, whatever. Have a follow-up conversation with that person. Because you got to build. Now you're a team. You got to work together. Help me understand. So your CFO, what do they care about right now? Look at if it's a public company, look at their 10Ks. What are they focusing on as an organization? What are the, the opportunities they're trying to take advantage of? Look to those numbers and think, how can you impact those numbers and speak to that specifically? Right. But use your champion, you know, here to work hand in hand and actually get, you know, the right conversation, the right talking points to the CFO. But don't go in there and just pitch it. Well, I spoke to Tom. It's going to help the sales team grow by 30 percent and they're going to do blah, 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 blah. It's going to be amazing. It only costs one hundred thousand dollars, but you're going to make a million on it. And that, it's like that's amateur. Uh, you got to use that to set up the right conversation, build the right presentation so that you're speaking to them and going that way. And, you know, but don't go in there and expect them to know everything that's going on because I may or may not have told them anything about it. You know, so go in, table set, set the, you know, set the tone from the meeting, from the jump, introduce yourself, get it going there, do discovery. Don't skip those steps. Too many people go in and they just pitch CFO, price and product. Like, well, I spoke to Tom. He loves it. Just want to, you know, I think it's a crossing T's, dotting I. Well, it's not. You mentioned such a good point, and I hope everybody takes notice of that, which is you figured out what's important to Tom personally and professionally. Well, guess what? There's something that's important personally and professionally for that CFO as well and his initiatives for the wider business. And as you said, really building a rational case and having everything tight, man, tight like a professional would. Ladies and gents, Tom Bocard. Appreciate you, brother, for coming on the show. Now, as you know, the show is called The Influential Communicator. So who is somebody that right now you think, man, that human being uh, communicates with influence? I love their energy. Who is that individual and why? Because I'd love to get them on the show, by the way. (laughs) That's that's the goal. So don't say somebody like Steve Jobs. Don't say somebody like Steve Jobs. That's going to be difficult for me, Tom. Yeah, we're not going to raise the dead. I mean, look, man, I don't know. You got to talk to my my business partner, my, the co-founder of our, a top one percenter academy, Paul Salamanca. Aha, uh-huh. okay, interesting. He is one of the best communicators I've ever met. The best really? storytellers that's out there. He, you know, is is a way to to really paint a, a beautiful picture in stories, but is also so direct and articulate at the same time. You got to talk to Paul. Oh, you, right, you need to There's hook no that way. up. I'm gonna let's hook that up. He sounds like a cool dude. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, he's great. I think that's that's certainly someone I would uh, I'd get out there for, for sure. Beautiful man, beautiful. Well, ladies and gents, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to do. Okay, I want you to press pause, take a snapshot of wherever you're listening to this right now, and I need you to head on down to LinkedIn. Don't pitch slap Tom; he won't respond. But here's what I need you to do: when you head on down to LinkedIn, post that picture and tag myself and Tom and let us know what's one thing that you took away from today's episode which impacted you the most I'd love to know I'm sure Tom would love to know and Tom where can people go to learn more about what you're up to brother given you're not spending that much time on LinkedIn these days yeah I mean LinkedIn's always a spot but I I would say uh, you can look at top1percenter.com that's a a great place to see you know we do um, Paul and I we run a sales academy that's focused on you know discovery through close for a mid-market enterprise. I mean, any any sales rep. We've had people non-SaaS that's been there as well. 
but that that's a great place to get updates on what we, we got going on and everything we're, we're rolling out there you go ladies and gents hit up the show notes to get that link and i'll see you next week same time same place for another episode on the influential communicator peace I have a question for you, my friend. And that question is, is what would it take to have you subscribe to the Influential Communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice? Because I tell you what, my friend, my big mission is to help B2B sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without without suppressing their personality and disowning their value. So hey, the more the word gets out about this podcast, the more people we can gather on this mission. So if you could support me, then hey, that would be dope. And if not, that's dope too. Either way, I got love for you. All right, I'll see you on the other side.